Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. A confirmed attack is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been reported in multiple states. We are controlling transmission. There is another world that awaits, far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracies and cover-ups. And to the paranormal we go. Well, one of these days, uh, I might not be able to do the show sitting here. We uh, largely use the Internet in which to broadcast this show somewhere between paranormal and abnormal all across the USA. And without the Internet, uh, there is no show. And there have been those nights where it has looked like uh, maybe there will be no show. No power, no Internet. We're really at the mercy of... uh, those two things in which to broadcast through the airwaves and they're vulnerable on a variety of fronts when it comes to uh, cyber attacks and ransomware Uh, it is just uh, for anybody who has had to deal with that situation uh, it it is a literal nightmare in fact to put put some perspective on just how much of a nightmare it is In just the first six months of the year, there have been more than 220 cyber attacks targeting hospitals and healthcare systems. Think about that hospitals and healthcare systems. Two things that we need those doctor's appointments that are looking into our ailments that give us the prescriptions we need in order to treat conditions, uh, emergencies that require surgery, and the list really goes on, end-of-life care, without the ability to deliver those services, we are at the mercy of whoever is on the other side of the attack, holding the purse, so to speak, demanding a payment of some sort in order to turn the key and restore services so that we can go about life and, uh, in some cases, save lives. 
I was searching the internet earlier today. I've been hearing a lot about you know cybersecurity awareness month or whatever it's been called. Started to hear a few days ago about you know, the MGM Caesars situation. I were hearing that people couldn't uh, access their rooms because the cards. Well, they needed to make contact with the network that's on the internet, uh, and that's probably just the start of it. I imagine that uh, because it was in Las Vegas, that probably gambling was affected as well, although I don't know that for sure. I'm just hearing uh, continually about these attacks on critical parts of our infrastructure. I mean, we know that cyber attacks have gone after the, you know, the flight control systems and also the scheduling software of the oil pipelines, meat producers, and the list goes on and on. So if you search the internet for cyber attacks, you're going to find, you know, one or two or many more from just the past day and, and week and months. And when it when it comes to doctors and dentist offices, large hospitals, and the like, it seems that those numbers are growing. Attacks on all levels of health care, in fact, have more than doubled. That includes the surgery centers. 2016 to 2021, more than doubled. Attacks on all levels of health care. Cyber attacks we're talking about. And the personal data of millions of patients, as a result, has been exposed. Think about that. They know your name. They know your address. They know your birth date. They know your social security number. They know your health care history. They know what kind of medications you're taking. Uh, Whether you have insurance or you don't have insurance, there's probably a mode of payment tied to your account in some form or fashion or they can get your policy number or your insurance ID number or whatever the case happens to be all through a data breach at one of these places. And we're talking about millions of patients. It's probably more than a hundred, hundreds of millions actually now at this point that has been exposed. This is not a video game. Uh, It's, it's life friends. In fact, checkpoint research says on average one in 29 healthcare organizations in the United States were impacted by ransomware in the month of July. And that healthcare is currently the number one most impacted industry by ransomware. In fact, last year, the healthcare industry experienced a 78% year-on-year increase in cyber attacks with an average of 1,400 attempted breaches per week per organization. Just think about that. The FBI is saying that the the latest thing now is known as dual ransomware attacks. When you think about 1,400 attempted breaches per week per organization, that means that it's likely the same actors who are trying again. Uh, if at once you don't succeed, we'll try, try again. And the FBI is saying that dual ransomware attacks are on the rise as well, meaning once a victim is compromised with an initial attack, these threat actors deploy a secondary attack with a different strain, which could leave even more damage. In fact, the threat of ransomware has reached such a level that there are hearings that are happening in 
uh, U.S. Congress committee meetings. Last week, uh, combating ransomware attacks was a hearing that was held by the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Accountability. There have been uh, significant breaches on uh, areas of healthcare. University of Mott Medical Center was one uh, that happened in the pandemic in October of 2020 that lasted for basically 30 days. This is not just uh, a couple of hours or a couple of days and then they give up. Uh, I mean, they, they want to be paid. It's called ransomware for a reason. They put ransomware uh, software, basically, viruses on your computer. Uh, they disable your ability really to do anything. And then they demand money in order to basically undo what they have done. So during that hearing, there were a couple of uh, statements that I wanted to make sure this audience was aware of. I mean, I didn't expect that you had two hours to listen through that thing. So I took it upon myself, and I really don't have an extra two hours in which to spare, but I found it, I carved it out to listen to the proceedings. And what we found out was cyber attacks in general, how much they have increased of late. The United States is a major target. Between January and December of 2022, known ransomware attacks on public and private networks in the United States increased by 47%. More troubling, these tallies include only those incidents victims report. Exactly. If you don't report the attack because maybe you pay those behind it you're not counted in the numbers so i mentioned the more than doubling part and here we have just in a single year last year between the beginning of the year and the end of the year known cyber attacks in the u.s increasing by 47 percent so where could they be coming from? Congress should be very concerned about these attacks and where they're originating from. I, the vast majority are coming from Russia, a country that could, clearly doesn't have our best interests at heart. And when these sort of attacks uh, target essential sectors, like the electric grid or the hospital system, what we saw with Colonial Pipeline or JBS a couple years ago, they endanger, endanger public health, safety, and quite frankly, put American lives at risk. And we're going to talk about how Americans' lives are at risk when you're sitting in a hospital bed and they literally have to pull the plug because everything's on the Internet. By the way, to back up what that gentleman said, there has been some uh, news to support exactly what was stated. Three states accuse nine individuals who happen to be Russian in the Scripps Health ransomware attack of 2021, and Russian hackers have crashed the royal family website after King Charles condemned the invasion of Ukraine, a pro-Putin group claiming responsibility for the cyber attack which brought down the site 
for 90 minutes. Nobody or nothing is immune when it comes to cyber attacks. Anybody can be hit. If you're the royal family, if you're the FBI, if you're the president of the United States, you are vulnerable. Criminals, both foreign and domestic, use ransomware to target everything and everyone. Private businesses, state and local governments, hospitals, school districts, and critical infrastructure. We have seen these attacks disrupt access to primary health care and safety net services for our nation's most vulnerable. Most vulnerable, those who may need the care the most... Uh, imagine sitting in the hospital and being told uh, we're closing. Please head for the nearest exit, please. We are under attack. I'm Jeremy Scott. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal, our program will continue across the USA right after this. cyber criminal is able to get into the electronic medical record. They can sell that information on the internet and access both patients' financial information, insurance information, and cause huge issues for our patients. Yeah, it is a double whammy. Uh, You inflict damage on both the inside and the outside. One of the individuals who participated in this U.S. Congressional Committee meeting last week. Again, this happened on the 27th. It was called Combating Ransomware Attacks, held by the U.S. House Committee on Oversight and Accountability. Stephen Leffler, COO of the University of uh, Vermont Medical Center, uh, he's the president as well, knows firsthand exactly how these uh, cyber attacks can cripple an operation. This really is a life-and-death matter, as uh, one of the individuals in the hearing who was asking a question of him found out. It affected every single part of our function, everything that we do. Unbelievable. I think that's really important because... In addition to the story of schools, and my school system also was attacked, but when, now we're talking life and death um, and the criticality of a hospital uh, can't be overstated and the vulnerability of hospitals. Yeah, it, it cannot be overstated. When these elements go down and then the next one goes down, it's a ripple effect and your operations are severely hampered. It becomes... Absolutely a life-and-death situation. How does it uh, match up against the pandemic, though? Something like this versus the pandemic. He had an interesting thought about that. Over the course of our month, we took care of hundreds of patients safely, but it was hard. I've been an emergency medicine doctor for 30 years. I've been the hospital president for four years. The cyber attack was much harder 
than the pandemic by far. Something that was harder than the actual pandemic was dealing with a ransomware attack that went on for 28 days. Uh, It basically affected thousands of computers, and then once they got them back, of course, they're infected. They have to all be taken offline if they weren't offline earlier, and they have to be cleared. The cyber attack, while it did not affect our patient information, did infect 1,300 servers at the University of Medical Center and 5,000 desktop computers. Every single computer needed to be wiped clean and then re-imaged. A massive, massive overhaul. You might be asking, why target healthcare? Well, number one, it's essential. It contains a lot of sensitive medical data, and uh, it's actually sometimes easier, especially when an organization is using old technology. And that problem has only gotten worse with the Internet of Things as more devices find their way into healthcare without being secured. And of course, these disruptions can be as minor as rescheduling an appointment or a lot more dire. If someone who desperately needs help doesn't get it soon enough, you know where I'm headed. Tonight, we're pulling the plug somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. I'm Jeremy Scott into the paranormal. Attention patients, there has been a cyber attack on the hospital. We will no longer be able to care for you. Please proceed to the nearest exit. America's hospitals are becoming a top target for hackers. The FBI is investigating a cyber attack targeting hospitals and clinics in at least four states. Cyber attack is still impacting two big hospital networks. The crisis stretched for 28 days. 1,300 hospital servers and 5,000 computers had to be wiped. The Prospect hack is one of about 275 cyber attacks on U.S. healthcare organizations this year. Exploring the possibilities of the subjects you've always wanted to know and those you never knew existed until now. Into the Pair of Normal with Jeremy Scott. The money is not infinite. You continue to pay these hackers the ransom. You're eventually going to run out of money. $65 million in the case of the University of Vermont in 2020. It seems like the hackers are now demanding even higher payments when it comes to hospitals because that they know the data is so crucial and they're more likely to pay the higher ransom because they want access to their systems and they they want the breach basically to be over. Wish it was that simple. Tonight we welcome to the program James F. Ponder, 
who has a B.A. in history and a minor in astronomy, enlisted in the U.S. Army in 1975 and was an officer from 1978 to 1987, where he taught Soviet tactics and strategies, Russian and Warsaw Pact equipment, and specialized in their nuclear and space systems, as well as deployment of forces. Uh, For starters, James has an extensive background, one of the smartest men I know, honored to have him in my Rolodex we managed to talk several times a year uh, when we're not doing the program, uh, but the information that he provides to the audience, I find from you, has been very, very valuable over the years. Counted them up, and this will be the 10th time over the years that we've talked to James Ponder. So many hours that we have uh, spent together discussing these subjects, and they seem to always be uh, Dyer, uh, welcome back to the program, James. Uh, another disaster you had me on for, Jeremy. Thanks. Very kind introduction. And a little, a little outside of my expertise, but since I, I, I've spent so much time on, uh, on Ivan the last few decades, but this has to do with cybersecurity and network penetration And it it was really interesting when you brought this before me a couple of days ago, and I realized I had encountered some of these hospital hacks, but not to the degree of the articles that you sent to me and what I did on my own research. And it's quite interesting when you look at it from the secular side. Oh, gee, the targets have changed and really horrifying when you realize the damage that they can do and what I've found out in the last couple of days, this is a great subject. But you, uh, you know, individuals uh, without not uh, telling us fully where you get this information who also have some real world experience in the healthcare industry. And so uh, it is relevant, your opinion to this whole thing, because uh, you know people who have been there. Well, I mean, I grew up in a medical household. My dad was an MD, and uh, I spent a lot of time in the emergency room bringing him lunch and running errands for him. And that is where I met my wife when I was in junior college, when she was a student nurse. So I have spent a lot of time in hospitals, not as a patient. And I, I've seen a lot of the back office that goes on in hospitals and I, and I have friends still in the business and hospitals are really as, as much as any heavy industry. Hospitals, are dependent upon their logistics and if you want to really attack an industry you don't need to burn their building down you need to attack their logistics and in reading the last couple of days about these cyber attacks in going after their servers and going after their networks of course they're all attached to this big wonderful internet that we have All of the networks around the world that we have, oh, wait, it's just one Internet. So they can attack that and stop the logistics altogether. They haven't caused a fire. They haven't killed anybody yet. They haven't done all sorts of bad things you think of crime. However, 
when you completely stop the flow of information, of patient records, of ordering supplies, of sending things out, of transferring a patient, all of this is done by computer. This is extremely serious and causes second and third order problems that just the patient or just the person reading the article wouldn't otherwise understand. This is a very big deal, and, and I didn't hackers, realize how far it had gone. The hackers know exactly what they're doing, and there's a reason that they're hitting hospitals uh, for the reasons that I mentioned previously, but many others as well. Yes. Oh, certainly. I mean, it is definitely for purposes of ransomware, but it could also be a type of business revenge and it could just be international bad actors saying, hey, we haven't screwed with this sector yet. Let's go after hospitals. They seem to be a big, fat, slow-moving target. Let's do something about that. And that's what we're seeing right now. Absolutely. And perhaps we can assume that some of these that are being done uh, where they could have been a lot worse uh, are being used as basic, basically a testing ground for a much larger attack. Uh, if you try to breach all of these systems independently at different times, you can assess how vulnerable they are, how easy it may be to uh, intrude their system, and then you do it all at once to uh, a massive number of these healthcare systems all around the world. I mean, that's a possibility uh, if if I was uh, a, a hacker, which I'm not, I would want to know the vulnerabilities of each so that we could, once we decided we were going to do it all, uh, well, we would have that at our disposal. Correct. And there are so many different hospital organizations out there that have completely different disparate types of networks. They have different types of network security systems. They have uh, card access or, or password access or double confirmation where you get a text back with a six-digit code. And because there's no standardization, one could think, well, wait a second, doesn't that make them by default, a tiny bit more secure. But when you're working with hackers that can, they have gigabytes of tools at their disposal and they can run at hundreds of millions of iterations per second running cracks. No, these differences actually make them weaker. And this is a big problem. A colleague of mine who is still an active doctor was telling me that the hospital administration software, and I, I will not give the name of it out, but it runs about two-thirds of the hospitals that are out there right now. It is big, it is robust, but it is complex, has a real learning curve, and it can break. And this is just what you need. Even if something is big and hoover dam hard you're going to find cracks you're going to find weaknesses you're going to find trap doors and that's what's going on right now 
ransomware is another possibility, but uh, there are some other other possibilities as well as far as what kind of attack might attack uh, certain parts of, of infrastructure, such as hospitals, right? It's not just ransomware that we have to worry about. Oh. Implantation of malware, theft of technology, theft of proprietary software, revenge, and just plain old being bad actors. Hey, let's screw with these guys next. So there's a whole spectrum of problems that can still wind up hacking your system and killing patients. Yes. Let's let's give the audience an idea of this scenario in which we're talking about, because when I talked to James uh, and we planned this show, which goes on many days before we take air and we bounce ideas off of each other and we uh, uh, eventually come to some sort of game plan uh, of what we're going to discuss. Now, I asked James, I would like for you to plot out for the audience what a an attack on a hospital certainly a prolonged attack might look like and it starts with the internet uh once you have taken over a computer and disabled say the the servers or the connections to the internet which of course are used for all sorts of things uh billing orders prescriptions uh external databases and the like but also a lot of these uh gadgets and gadgets are really tools uh, instruments that we're seeing in the hospitals themselves these days also require internet service. Yes, that's right. They uh, so many of the advanced devices, uh, MRI, PET, PET scans, uh, a lot of cardiac equipment actually requires connection to a server or a cloud because of proprietary software and because of high-speed data acquisition. You don't see a stack of hard drives in a cardiac unit. You don't see a, uh, a cloud portal, let's say, in an obstetric unit. And yet you have very important pieces of equipment there that have to port out that data for storage analysis to help in the recommendations of the doctor for a diagnosis and then a prognosis. So there's a lot going on there. Did, did you want me to start on the scenario I came up with? Yeah, because this is also uh, external internet, but internal internet as well that's affected uh, both uh, both things that we need to reach the outside, say if we're ordering stuff, but also things we need to access on the inside in order to send messages and, uh, you know, all sorts of things behind the scenes. So, yes, please do. Correct. Uh, when we talk Internet, we normally talk about the global big piece of cable that goes around the world a bunch of times and you get your email on it, you watch YouTube videos on it, you get your news on it, all sorts of good and mundane and time-killing things that go on on the Internet. But intranet, I-N-T-R-A-N-E-T, intranet, that is the network inside businesses. And you may have an intranet in your home and haven't named it that. I have one. But 
the intranet is within a specific organization or building or group of buildings that is in some ways moderately sequestered off, moderately segregated from the full internet, but there's still a door in. And that's the problem right there. Inside the hospital, you can implant malware to give false positives or false negatives to slowly tamper with equipment. Not all at once, because they'll say, damn, we've been hacked. Oh no, things just stop working because they can be turned off remotely with the software. When you've invaded the intranet and you can implant time-based malware on a hard drive somewhere, they can say right in the middle of an MRI, run a diagnostic during a cardiac procedure, reboot, do all sorts of things that they are never supposed to do. And yet that can happen when you're talking about the inside network versus the outside network. And I'm just thinking of a scenario really when you're believing that your systems are online and you're typing an important message that you know isn't received by someone or it's misinterpreted. I can uh, imagine a scenario where that could lead to situations of patients being overprescribed, you know, say on pain medication or other kinds of medications because you know somebody else has basically already administered that dose. Uh, but there's no record of it because the system's offline and they're doing everything by paper, uh, a nightmare situation, or somebody's supposed to get a certain uh, treatment uh, at a certain hour, uh, and yet that's not done because they can't access the systems uh, in order to see that scheduling. Uh, And then, boy, everything else that we're going to talk about tonight My guest is James F. Ponder, and we'll continue our program somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. We're discussing about uh, ransomware attacks, cyber attacks hitting the healthcare sector, hospitals, medical centers, doctors' offices, dentists' offices. There's been a, a recent U.S. Congressional Committee meeting addressing these ransomware attacks, and uh, one of the participants in that was uh, a hospital uh, official who was discussing how detrimental a ransomware attack that they went through was on their operations. And so we're really expanding that tonight on the program with James F. Ponder, my guest. We were talking about Internet. And, of course, next on the list would have to come power uh, because we've already, in our previous programs, Uh, pointed out how those are one and the same. Internet needs power. Power needs internet, vice versa. And uh, if you don't have internet and you don't have power, uh, you are in a very dire situation. That's true. You certainly need both of those for almost any modern business, but kind of mission critical for a hospital when you have uh, patients that are hooked up to different things. Now, going down what we discussed earlier, what I would do, let's say 
I am doing a hospital attack. And to do the hospital attack, my first three points have to do with taking out the power, but doing it a different way. First, you'd shut down the internet connections, the billing, the order, the prescriptions, the external databases and your backup systems, and all the intranets. You can, through a hack like that, you can take care of the internal networks, taking care of meaning turn them off, screw them up, make them where they don't work. These are usually somewhat segregated networks, but they're not quarantined, meaning if you know what you're doing, you can still get inside of them. And they're really not bulletproof systems at all. This would also screw up their scheduling, their inner office communications, patient records, prescriptions, little things like that. Secondly, I would attack the circuits and the software on the diesel generator systems. All hospitals have to have diesel or propane backup generators for 48 to 72 hours. I, I know that intimately. I used to hear them running at night all the time in Miami during hurricane season. Uh, have 48 to 72 hours of grid down backup. And you can imagine during that time, you're going to have a diesel truck or a propane truck coming up and refueling right outside of where the generator is to keep things going. So you attack the circuitry of that generator so it never even can come on. It doesn't kick in at all. Then point three would be attack the, uh, excuse me, scan all the electric connections in the grid and find the weak points where the breakers can be thrown remotely. All the breaker switches that are just a whole lot bigger on an electrical system like that, you can remotely throw the breakers or fry the connections. But don't do it yet. Just locate them, find the spots weak for attack, and then sit back knowing you have another target in your target that you can make things even worse for them. So you're going after a combination of internet, intranet, power, and backup power. So they're pretty messed up right there, but we're only getting started. And I'll let you take it from here, Jeremy. When uh, we escalate to the next uh, stage, uh, what might these hackers go after next? Once they've done a good job of taking down the Internet and knocking down the power, are they going to try to access the data? Next, yes. Through their data systems, you're going to access the logistics. You're going to shut down the essential orders, such as anesthesia, oxygen bottles, antibiotics, cardiac and obstetric meds and supplies. Then what you're going to do is send in, through the computer, of course, that you are controlling, expedited orders for thousands of gowns, bed sheets, floor wax, boxes, maybe pallets of copy paper and cartridges, network cables, all the necessary things you need, but not in the volume that's just been ordered. Ordering everything in excess, uh, that's going to add up quickly. It's going to overwhelm the system as well. We'll let James finish that thought when we come back. I'm Jeremy Scott. Into the Paranormal will continue after the top of the hour. Chat with us on our Into the Paranormal Facebook group.
When the lights go down, the strange comes out into the paranormal. This is what it would be like if a ransomware attack hit a hospital near you. I'm Jeremy Scott, James F. Ponder, our guest tonight, 503-506-0396, the number to join the program if you are in the United States and Canada. That's 503-506-0396. The scenario that he was outlining right before the break had to do with uh, logistics, uh, administrative stuff. All of a sudden, uh, a whole bunch of things show up at the hospital, which is under this attack, uh, and yet none of them are going to actually save a life. Right. One of the keys that I learned in history and in studying our opposition, because I was I was Soviet trained by the army to uh, to teach what they do and to learn about them. One of the keys in intelligence is when you're sending a signal, you flood the airwaves and only part of what is going on 24 hours a day is the valid signal. And I've learned through the years that flooding something with something unnecessary or something you can't winnow out is a very important part of disrupting your enemy enough to cause them to grind to a halt. Now, in doing this to a hospital and, say, sending them 20 pallets of floor wax or a few hundred artificial limbs, uh, or a shipping container full of bandages. You are so clogging up what they're doing. you got to remember, they're scrambling right now, trying to get their intranets back up, trying to get their cloud servers running again, trying to make sure they can get their software running in their MRI again. You're about you're just about to take out their electrical system, and then all of these bandages and crates of news, of uh, copier paper and floor wax show up so this is something that just really grinds things to a halt while they're trying to put out the fire of their data acquisition and lack of same now point five we're going to get vicious here you're going to put the diesel generator because they can be controlled remotely this i know you're going to Put the diesel generator into some sort of an administrative mode loop. In other words, it's doing a check of itself all the time. So even if you go out and turn it off and turn it back on again, it's doing its admin. But the problem is, in checking itself out, it will ignore other inputs. So it's not going to run at all for when you cut the power. This is a real problem also. It's kind of like we found out by accident during Y2K, and I I learned a great deal about Y2K. That was a real serious problem, that the elevators and a lot of other automatic, more or less, pieces of equipment would go into admin mode as soon as you change the clock to midnight 01-01-2000. All types of strange things happened. So you can use what we learned from the Y2K bug to hack a hospital. Then, point six, you cut the power to the hospital remotely. This is, you'd think it was the final blow because you 
have patients that are imminently about to die. Your diesel generator is not working. And in fact, nothing is working. And in your parking lot and your loading docks, there are all these trucks trying to deliver things because they were expedited. And they don't often get emergency calls for reams of paper or floor wax, but you have that going on. So then... Well, and mind you, but you also you also don't have the life-saving meds uh, either arriving because they've canceled all those orders. But continue, please. That's correct. The, the oxygen, the anesthesia... The penicillin, all of the life-saving meds, you know, they're, they're gone. That's exactly right. Then you're going to hide, you're going to take out the three nearest electrical substations. Now, you can, you can cause chaos with them remotely. And, of course, it would take weeks to find out how to get into these substations. But if you're going to do a hospital right, you're going to take the time and find out where the substations are. They can reroute power to the hospital. But you're going to take those out, too. Then, this is, this is my own op for point of view. This is my own having studied the bad guys for long enough, and I'm playing a bad guy here. This is what I do. I'd hire a gang member to toss Molotov cocktails into the fenced area where the generator is located. So you're not going to get anybody in there to fix it while it's burning. Then you're going to get another gang member to set the dumpster on fire. Have you you've heard about a burning dumpster? Have you ever actually been downwind from one? It's not glorious, believe me. Actually, one morning, I had one of them uh, catch fire right outside my window. Oh, that's fantastic. Then it's payday. You make your demand of however many hundred thousand or million dollars to be transferred to the Cayman or Panamanian account, and you sit back and wait for your crypto to show up. And this is probably a more kinetic attack than people are used to. But if you want to take down a major center and you coordinate it right, you give yourself a few weeks to learn the system, to learn the area, the substations, where the dumpsters are, what type of generator it is, diesel or propane. You're going to completely take that hospital out, and it's going to be weeks before it comes back up. You have a bonus effect here. You're flooding the other hospitals with patients. That That is what we're getting into right now, and I see that coming. I, I, I know, Jeremy, it sounds like I'm giving bad actors good ideas here. These people come up with this all the time. They, they, just, already, they already have the ideas in their head. We're not telling them something that they don't already know. No, no, not at all. And I've never taken out anything like this. It's just that I used to be paid to teach this stuff. And what would you do in a situation like this? Two pieces of paper, start writing. And it's really interesting the answers you get. So you need to consider how can we make a hospital more robust, less fragile? And I'll I'll let you direct me where you want me to go from there. As far as the payment is concerned, you mentioned the cryptocurrency, and that is a key element of this Uh, crypto. uh, It cannot be traced for the most part, right? And it's not regulated. 
it's not regular. Fortunately, it's not regulated. I, I don't. I'm I'm not a big fan of most regulation, but uh, it's uh, it is not regulated. It's it's kind of like having a silver coin or a gold coin. There's no tracking device. Uh, there's there's no serial number on it. It can't be traced back unless you leave a nice big fat thumbprint on on it. it there, there's no record of any activity with that that coin except its value at the moment and uh, whatever the last transaction was that you received that coin. And that's it. Crypto's even better because you can't shove a coin through a phone line, but you can an algorithm that carries the value of a cryptocurrency. Yeah. Uh, so as far as this being a life and death situation, uh, we're talking about oxygen machines, dialysis machines, uh, life support, anything that is keeping someone alive. And uh, once you don't have uh, any juice in the tank, so to speak, that, that is it, usually, for the most part, unless you have superhuman powers. That's it. You're right. And that's a, a real possibility here, is it not? It, it, it is. It is. And it, and it all gets back to up until a couple of months ago, I thought it was the dumbest thing of the 21st century, and that is we have a single Internet we're working with, one single Internet. That is only the second dumbest thing that's going on right now, and this isn't your subject of the night, but the, the most frightening, bizarre, idiotic thing that is going on right now is there are a half a dozen different AIs on the open Internet and people can interface with them. This is this is insane at so many levels. I'm at a loss to describe what a bad idea it is to have AIs running around loose on the Internet. Yeah, I'm going to have to tend to agree with you on that one, James, just because I know what I know about these uh, <laughs> these little machines. Uh, but as far as the vulnerabilities uh, being that there is only one Internet because most of us are not on the dark web, that makes us especially vulnerable. Well, that's right. And there are there are ways to protect yourself. And uh, as as an individual and in your household, you need to take actions. Certainly the, the simple stuff. That is to make sure the documents that you have, the stubs off of your billing statements or anything involving checks or anything that would involve, let's say, an account number, your social security number, a credit card number. Make sure that's torn up well and maybe soaked in water before you throw it away because identity theft can happen from a trash run and it, it, that actually works quite well. You need a VPN, a virtual private network, on the Internet. So when you're doing things on the Internet, it's pretty hard for bad actors and government agencies to see what you're doing. And your attitude should not be, well, I'm not breaking the law. What difference does it make? Your attitude should be, people out there are trying to steal my identity, my birth date, 
my spouse's information. They're trying to build a catalog on me and a thousand other households, which they can swoop in and take over a bank account, a credit card account, just an Amazon account, any sort of things like that. And this is what one of these complex systems, we're talking about this complex system tonight, modern hospitals. The, the modern hospitals, I, I found out, only spend 2% of their total budget on IT, on information technology. And that would include uh, their, their computers, their backup servers, any cloud account they might have, and a very tiny portion of that would be internet security. Now, just their IT budget is 2% of the hospital, and a tiny part of that is network security, internet security, robustness such as backups to your backups. And that needs to change. So they're vulnerable, incredibly vulnerable, actually. Yes. How comforting of a thought. More to come with James F. Ponder. I'm Jeremy Scott. Pulling the plug tonight on our broadcast. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Inside the walls of a hospital who's been hit by a ransomware attack. It is an increasing reality, so much so that it was part of a recent U.S. Congressional Committee meeting last week. The numbers are just absolutely staggering, in fact. More than 220 cyber attacks targeting hospitals and healthcare systems. In the first six months of the year, 47% increase in total cyber attacks nationwide from the beginning of 2022 until the end of 2022. And when it hits a hospital, they are particularly vulnerable. It all comes down really to being on the single internet that James F. Ponder was telling us about, which means the everyday things that we do on the internet, uh, that is the same as well as criminal activity being conducted, is it not? Exactly. When I was uh, when I was teaching this at the academy, I, I used to tell them the problems of a single internet, that the internet that you get your email on and watch YouTube and all that uh, is, is the same one that's used in organized crime in money laundering. The, uh, the, the North Koreans are downloading Japanese child porn. The Russians are making weapons transactions over the internet. And we're not even talking the dark web here. We're just talking the regular plain old internet that we used to dial up on with AOL discs so with a single internet, there are a lot of opportunities and a lot of ease. You gotta understand the convenience of this is going to kill us. And I, if I might recommend a book for your listeners here, if you ever get a chance to read the book, The Black Swan, not the one involving the, the Natalie Portman movie, but the business book by Nassim Tlaib, 
stock analyst and mathematician, incredibly bright guy. He wrote about robustness and redundancy and all the problems that you have when you have single system, like the Internet. Uh, the, the advantage of the interstate system in the United States is it connects to so many country roads and county roads and back highways and everything else. There's nothing like that on the Internet. Everything still has to go through the big fiber optic trunks, and we're all exposed. Hospitals, you, me, that's the way it is right now. Yeah, and it used to be that everything was done on paper, so it was in the filing cabinet on premises. But now, most uh, likely, this critical data is in the cloud, uh, which may not even be in the country. The server. That's that right. Uh, I, I I used to I, I used to warn people all the time: when you use a cloud, don't use it as your primary backup. Your primary backup needs to be in a drawer in your house or out in your garage. A cloud is really convenient if you're on the road or if you're on vacation taking a ton of photos. You want to upload them as you go. That's great. That's real convenient. But remember, convenience kills. Redundancy is inconvenient, it's expensive, and it can save your life. And this is why hospitals have backup generators. But almost every hospital I've been around, I've been around a lot of them, they have backup generators that are exposed, and they're not well secured. I, I hope that's going to change sometime soon, and they need a little bit more than bigger padlocks. Imagine that, uh, aspects of the hospitals not being secured. Think about that the next time you need uh, some medical care. I'm Jeremy Scott with James F. Ponder traveling into the paranormal tonight. Paranormal News. A retired radio telescope will be pointed at the sun for next weekend's annual solar eclipse. A group of citizen scientists are using the 112-foot Goldstone Apple Valley Radio Telescope in California's Mojave Desert to study what happens when sunspots are covered by the moon. Solar Patrol will study radio emissions from the sun's inner corona on October 14th. The project is funded by NASA and will be used as a test for next April's total solar eclipse. Next Saturday's partial eclipse will be visible in parts of the United States, Mexico, and many countries in South and Central America. George Henry, Paranormal News. Between January and December of 2022, known ransomware attacks on public and private networks in the United States increased by 47%. Congress should be very concerned about these attacks and where they're originating from. I think the vast majority are coming from Russia. We have seen these attacks disrupt access to primary health care. Now we're talking life and death um, and the criticality of a hospital um, can't be overstated. The cyber attack was much harder than the pandemic by far. It affected every single part of our function, everything that we do. 
Dial into the pair of normal from the U.S. and Canada at 503-506-0396 or reach us internationally on Skype at ITP51. It is uh, not too uh, out of the question or the realm of possibility that one day you could be at the hospital and they're unable to care for you at that moment in time because they have been breached. They've been the victim of a cyber attack. Uh, You've heard the numbers. We're talking about the fallout. James F. Ponder is my guest tonight. And James, uh, continuing this here, many of the machines, MRIs and others, uh, rely on a very critical component that, in the case of a ransomware attack, well, is under attack. That's right. You could do considerable damage to a hospital, and I think that's what we were were originally talking about without getting kinetic. In other words, without wrecking their diesel generators or their uh, setting their dumpsters on fire or anything like that, because so many critical systems in a hospital, critical if you need them as a patient, uh, CAT scans, MRIs, PET scans, uh, cardiac monitoring, a lot of obstetrics has to do with devices that are still hooked up to a cloud or to a server. And most of the time, that server, that cloud, is off-site. It's somewhere else. And it doesn't just go through the hospital's intranet. It goes through the general internet. Which means if there is a backdoor to get out, there's a front door to come through the internet to get those to, to get to those pet, pet, cardiac device, obstetric, diagnostic. So you can just put those into admin mode, shut them down somehow, reboot them, emplace malware in them so that they just don't run right. They don't perform their function that so many people paid a lot of money for. And you can do things that cause just catastrophic problems without causing any fires or blowing anything up. And the reason why is so many of the systems require require proprietary software that is outside of the hospital and require uh, I.O., in other words, input-output data from a server, from a cloud, to run those devices. And... Somehow, I don't think VPNs are on every single one of those, and having every single port and circuit board secured, they just put it on the network and run it, because that's the way it's done. This is a real problem, and it's a vulnerability that's obvious through thousands of hospitals in the United States. Exactly, and once you know the uh, the route into one, and uh, you know the route into the next, and the next, and the next, 
uh, this can be catastrophic, especially when you're hitting, uh, say, hospitals in regions where you might think, well, if it's just this hospital that's affected, we can go to another one. But then that hospital is hit. It's like a cascade effect. Exactly. And remember, just a bonus effect for the bad guys all the disruption you're causing by having those patients first off moved at all when you're stuck in a hospital bed that's a problem but filling up other hospitals while they're trying to figure out are they going to have to tear everything out of the hospital to fix it or is it just a simple disconnect it from the internet and reboot it but they don't know at this point yeah, is so is this really a black swan event or is this uh, an expected uh chain of events that we should expect one day will uh even go to a larger level. Uh you know, maybe not just affecting uh, hospitals in several states, but maybe the entire country all at the same time, mind uh, you. I, I- I, I, I think you, you've hit it well. If it's happening to you, it seems like a black swan event. However, anytime you have a complex system in the form of a building, that is an advanced factory, a hospital, a chemical facility, a let's go Wuhan on our listeners, uh, a bioweapons research lab, anything like that, you can expect to have digital scrutiny going on what's going in what's coming out and i can just imagine what would be going on in some of these other places but for a hospital really if they're planning it out rightly they should expect cyber attacks and every day that goes by that they don't have one it was like a day off because you haven't been hit yet you're going to get hit it's a big nice soft target who was the uh, gentleman who warned us uh, that that we should expect cyber attacks from foreign bad actors or domestic ah, hackers? What uh, ah, decade, yes. a few decades Richard ago? Richard Clark. Richard Clark. Very good, Jeremy. Yes, nineteen ninety-eight. Richard Clark, who was a bureaucrat with the Clinton administration, and he worked for President Bush, too, for a little while uh, when he was elected, Uh, Richard Clark came up with the term Digital Pearl Harbor. And he noticed way back in 1998, when a lot of us still had AOL disks to get on the internet, that there was one internet and so many things in the military and in industry and in the medical professions were already plugged in to this internet that there would be a digital Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was a major black swan event. It was unexpected. It was massive. It had gigantic consequences. That's what a black swan event is. And Clark pointed out everything's hooking into the internet now and everything new that's coming up is hooking into the internet now. There's going to be a digital Pearl Harbor. And As of just a few years ago, there had been over 20, close to 30, gigantic, catastrophic cyber attacks. Uh, Does anybody remember the the Home Depot attack? Uh, That was really interesting. That affected us, uh, us meaning my household. The J.P. Morgan Chase 
account, uh, the attack rather, the Marriott. We got letters from Marriott for about a year as to your card has been compromised. Uh, Microsoft, LinkedIn, oh, First American Financial. They actually got hit hard. But the big one, the one that did not cost a billion dollars, it was pure data. It wasn't. It, it, it was not a breach that cost a lot of money, except the money they had to spend to, to plug all the holes. It was when the GSA, the General Services Administration, got hit. I think it was in 2014 or 2015. And they had the records of all the people that had had top secret clearances, I did at the time, of all the people that had extensive background checks, that had promotions, that had advancements, that had all types of evaluations, working for the government, working for the military, or if you're a defense contractor, those records would be held by GSA. Every one of those, including my fingerprints, my military record, and my top secret clearance, are in China right now because the GSA got hacked. And how many millions of other people have their personal information to include something as invasive as their medical records, a background check, and a digitized set of fingerprints in China right now? Uh, this is not something that makes one feel good about life in the 21st century, but this is the way it is. So is China still a major player then in this? Uh, By far. be uh, indicative in the meeting last week that Russia is a big player or in this as well, uh, but it's also China. Russia is a very big player, and they're quite good at what they do. But China is stealing industrial secrets. They're stealing patents. They are going after absolutely everything. Banking records, stock manipulation. They, I, I mean, the, the Russians just want to find information and cause problems where they need to cause problems. And that's that's a long story right there. But Russia's the whipping boy right now politically. They're going to get blamed for a lot of things that are not Russians, like you might remember the thing called the Steele dossier that was all made up. But that wasn't even a hack. That was just a made-up story by somebody who had been British Intel. You can't even blame British Intel for this. This was just uh, a lone wolf putting out bad info. But you have to be careful of info, and it's the info about the info. Where did the breach come from? And right now, as much as Russia is a player, as much as there are players in Eastern Europe and in North Korea and Japan and the United States, you have to look at China first because what is their motive? taking as much from the West as they can, not getting caught. If they get caught, they apologize, and getting as much of our technology as they can without paying for it. So, well, Jeremy, if you ever had a background check or you ever had your fingerprints taken, guess what? They're in Beijing right now. Oh, boy, what a what a comforting thought. Uh, what, we sold them or or they were hacked? 
they were hacked. The GSA had them. The, the GSA had the digitized background checks, military records, fingerprints, everything. And they got hacked. And they originally said it was only, I love that term, only the loss of 4 million separate individuals' records. They had to revise that upward, and it's it's in double digits. And because of the dates of the records stolen, I know they got me as an enlisted man and as an officer and when I was a special agent. So they got they got all of me. They got uh, as uh, as <laughs> Rush Limbaugh used to say about background checks. They got the big proctological exam, and that happened to me. And again, if the hospital doesn't pay the ransom, what happens? Well, some hospitals have been successfully able to negotiate it down. Uh, one was over a million dollars, and they got it down to seventeen thousand, which is that's a pretty good Wheeler dealer. I want that person to buy a car for me next time. But normally, if the ransom is not paid, then the data is just destroyed. And hopefully you've got a cloud backup somewhere or you've got paper records that can be scanned in. Otherwise, you're starting off from zero. I mean, you're you're right down to parchment and quill at that point. But all the systems are tainted at that point, right? They've got to be wiped. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, some of them are, are damaged so well by the other side that you just need whole new equipment. You just need new hard drives. Those hard drives would be destroyed and recycled as scrap. It's really good scrap. But yeah, in in a lot of cases, some of them can be wiped, can be reinstalled, but a lot of hard drives actually have ROMware on them. And sometimes the ROMware can actually carry malware. That's not that common but it's possible and the last thing you want to do is wipe and reload everything and the rom where you ignored still carries the malware wow very very complex uh, thankfully we have uh, james f ponder here to break it down for us tonight increasing attacks on our most critical of infrastructure including hospitals are on the increase and we're talking about it tonight I'm Jeremy Scott. More after this. Into the paranormal. paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. It's always good being with you across the USA. Our website, paranormalradio.com. That's P-A-R-A-B-N-O-R-M-A-L radio.com. You can find all the shows there. Uh, Interact with uh, our sponsors as well. Find out what deals they've got cooking for you. And, of course, listen to the show anytime there at paranormalradio.com. We appreciate you listening wherever you're picking us up, if it's through the radio, on an app, uh, or uh, I guess that's really the only other place, through the Internet or an app or the radio, right? Yeah, that's how it works. And speaking of all of those possibilities, uh, they require the Internet and they require the power in order for that to even be a possibility. 
And we're going out loud and clear tonight. But at any particular point in time, uh, well, systems could be attacked uh, because really, is there anybody, James, uh, James F. Ponder, my guest, uh, who is not susceptible to this? If you have a typewriter and you use an analog telephone and you have a shredder for all of your mail, it might have an account number on it. You're pretty robust at that point. Uh, just so long as you don't drive while intoxicated, you're, you're not going to be moving the needle on anybody. Other than that, if you have a normal first world 21st century life where you have email and a smartphone and the normal accoutrement of doing things when you live at the level that, that we live at in the west you have an amazon account you like to have books and devices and cables delivered to your home and it's it's really hard to not self, set yourself up for digital exposure. You, you need to be careful, folks. Please use a VPN, a virtual private network, not a free one. Free ones still harvest your data, no matter what they say. So you need to get a good, decent, low-end one. I like NordVPN. They do not pay me, uh, but I, I like what they do. I... I would recommend you take very good care of your documents. I would be careful of what you put online if it's in social media because the various types of social medium right now are being tracked and watched. And and I don't mean by government. I mean by industries, by prospective employers. Uh, the big thing starting only about five or six years ago was when you apply for a job, what media accounts, what uh, social media accounts are you on? And let's see the last two months worth. They really do that if you get that far in an interview. You need to take care of what you do. And I hate to say it, keep as low a profile as you can, because if you are noticed at all, you can be a target. And I don't mean being a flashy dresser in a high crime area. I mean being a normal human being with a credit card and an account on the Internet, you can get hurt. Please take care of yourselves, folks, because uh, nobody's going to come and hold your hand. Jeremy does a great service here by having people on that understand the Internet. I am one of them. I am happy to share what I have learned, what I used to be able to teach. And I, the, the hospital aspects of this was new to me last week when it was exposed to me by Jeremy. And it has been a really good rabbit hole for me to go down. And I hope you all learn something from this and realize that those parts of modern life that we take for granted are not robust and they can break with a single piece of malware so small you can't read it. And just friends, be careful. Be, uh, look out for yourselves and don't be too loose with your own digital footprint, please. Yeah, and, and by the way, that national EAS test is coming up tomorrow, James. Oh, yes, I'm ready for it. 
We're going to have all of our phones lined up on the table and plugged in. Let it rip. The, the best way around this is not to dodge it. Let them update my phone. Let them track my phone. That is just fine. I think what we're going to do the other things I'm going to have unplugged. We're going to have one of them on and one of them off and see what happens. Should be very interesting. That would be good. 1120 Pacific, 220 Eastern. Will we be here tomorrow night? We'll find out. Good night and God bless. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com.